It is curious with what clarity one remembers great events of the past, even from those long-ago days before 24-hour-a-day television and web news became a constant background to daily life. In the 1930s and throughout the war, it was a ritual in many, if not most, households in the United Kingdom to sit down after supper and listen solemnly to the nine o'clock news from the British Broadcasting Corporation. There were no alternative radio channels. However blood-curdling the events of the day, news was fed out in small doses by the BBC and read in a tone as dry as a sermon. It was no accident that the BBC had originally required those reading the news on the radio, or wireless, as it is called in the United Kingdom, to wear nothing less than formal evening clothes while doing so. Listening to the news then was a secular rite, from the most humble home to Buckingham Palace, and although the BBC got much of its news from the government, it was generally trusted. Far from making the news exciting, the British and the French governments were to produce calm at all costs and to downplay or even deny any crises. Keeping calm was seen as a patriotic duty, even as one crisis after another led inexorably to war. Panic was the enemy. My father, Vincent, a rumpled bohemian who had followed his brothers into the film business, did not panic easily, if at all, perhaps because he was born in the last years of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, a place where crises were constant, but never taken seriously. The old Viennese joke might have served as the motto for the fading empire. The situation is desperate, but not serious. Despite threats from Berlin and rumblings of war over Danzig and the Polish Corridor in August 1939, my father did not, as so many other people in England already had, cancel his plans for our summer holiday on what was then still called, as if it were another world, the continent. For years he had spent the month of August at the unpretentious Hôtel de la Bouée, on the Plage de la Garoupe on the Cap d'Antibes, owned by his friends the Viennes, whose daughter Micheline was the same age as me. Although Micheline and I were only six, it was my father's wish, expressed strongly and frequently in his fluent, inimitably Hungarian-accented French, that we should get married one day, thus assuring him of a permanent nest on the Cap d'Antibes in his old age. Please came from his eldest brother, my uncle Alex, the head of the Corder family and a benevolent, though demanding, dictator, who, in the words of one admirer, looked like a Renaissance prince, and spent like one or from people who were in the know, like one of Winston Churchill's loyal friends, the political strategist and canny financial adviser Brendan Bracken, to stay put until the crisis was resolved. But my father ignored them. His stately yearly progress from London to Paris, and then on to Antibes, was not something he would give up merely because of threats of war from Hitler. He had survived the First World War, serving in the Austro-Hungarian infantry, as well as the communist revolution in Budapest that came in the wake of defeat, then the white counter-revolution that brought to power Admiral Miklos Horthy, the first fascist, and for a time the leading anti-Semite in Europe. Having lived through war and the collapse and breakup of an empire, my father treated with indifference seismic geopolitical events that set other people to cancelling their reservations. When my mother, a blonde, glamorous, successful English stage actress, and normally a cheerful and unflappable person, expressed her concern. He merely said, Don't be silly, Gertrude. What the hell you know about it? All the same, 
As Vincent sat beneath a beach umbrella reading a copy of Le Petit Nissois in the morning, while he dipped a croissant in his café au lait and lit his first cigarette of the day, events that August must have seized his attention. He was not a Central European for nothing. Less than a year earlier, at the height of the Czech crisis in September 1938, the British Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, had addressed the nation on the BBC and remarked, How horrible! Fantastic, incredible it is that we should be digging trenches and trying on gas masks here because of a quarrel in a faraway country between people of whom we know nothing.